Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode on Onger Let's Get Talking podcast, hosted by me, Jasmine. And without any further ado, let's get talking. Hi guys, happy, happy new week. Can you believe it that we're one week towards Christmas? I think it's as utterly, utterly crazy. Um, and there's a massive part of me that just keeps thinking where did the year go? It feels as if we just sort of went into 2022. Half of it was spent in lockdown. The other half, we were going back to ish normal life, quotation mark onto normal, um, because it's like, what what is normal or what was normal? And then now we're onto Christmas and a few, you know, we have about three weeks before 2023 which is utterly, utterly crazy. But so, yeah, very, very crazy to think that the year is almost over. 2022 is almost over and a new year is almost upon us. Um, But so, yes, I hope you've had a lovely sort of week. My week this week has been very eventful. Um, So on Friday, last Friday, I interviewed for a contractual role with an agency and I got the job and I started this Monday so I literally had Friday afternoon Saturday Sunday and then Monday I started the the role um so my job my week has been very sort of um you know eventful as I have had to sort of start a new role um and I really so far so good Everybody seems utterly lovely, very, very genuine, very sort of always sort of ready to help and very um, open to, you know, answer all of your questions, to sort of have a talk, have a laugh. um, And it seems like a very sort of good working environment. So, so far, um, I'm impressed. And I think for me, the job, it makes it so much better in a way that it's contractual, which means it's temporary. Um, I'm only there for a few months. And I don't have probation. I don't have any sort of benefits other than my pay. Um, so I'm seeing it as a new opportunity where I can just sort of get, you know, learn to be in the uncomfortable, meaning sort of um, getting better at some of the skills that I want to get better at, but in an environment where there isn't as much pressure as, you know, a permanent job where I would be so focused on passing the probation, being, you know, sort of presenting myself in a different way to sort of, you know, company company culture and all of these different things. And in this one, of course, it matters. Of course, it's important to talk to other people. It's important to, to ele- create space for conversations and create space for relationships and, you know, sort of being present in my job, that's very important, but there isn't the same sort of pressure. I'm not feeling that sense of pressure that I normally get or that I normally have when I'm starting a new job, Um, you know, where you don't know if you will pass your probation, you don't know, you know, if your teammates like you or if you're performing well, With this role, I'm like, I do everything, you know, I support, I do everything that I'm supposed to be doing. 
but also there isn't that sense of pressure as well so I am enjoying it even though it's it's only been um a few days so far so good so that has been mostly of my week and guys can you believe it on Friday on Sunday London had massive snow it was snowing so much literally the roads were coated in snow I went out and I was sort of taking pictures and um sort of playing in the snow well I was mostly grumbling about the cold and the wind and the snow but it was very very fun and it was very unexpected because the weather people evidently said predicted that we would have snow in London but I don't think any of us really believed that there was going to be a thing so when it actually came it was just like rah wow wowzers as I used to say it was just incredible and the snow it's Wednesday evening and there is snow outside still so that's very very impressive isn't it um that we're having snow that has lasted and the pavement especially are still very icy so it's very it's it's incredible really that we're having snow and I'm hoping that we have more snow um for on Christmas day that would be utterly incredible to have a white Christmas in London it would be like wow radical radical really but yeah so that that's an as exciting thing that has happened this week London has snow and it's very cold out there um and it's very funny because you go from being outside where it's freezing and then you go into the London underground um and the transportation services and it's boiling hot and then you go back outside I think that's why so many of us get sick during the winter periods because we're our body temperatures are constantly going from one extreme to the next from one cold to one really really boiling to one cold again so um tis the season for sickness and flus I hear um I had it for a week and a half I had the flu I had headaches I had body aches I had pain I had um snot snotty nose and it lost I had fevers and then it went in a week and a half very very surprising I didn't even develop a cough this time because normally when I have the cold my cough lasts for like a, a month a month and a half and um, it's just really hard to sort of um you know sort of get you know the cold you know just sort of the cough to leave me so it's very, you know, I'm very impressed that this time around, it only lasted, the flu lasted for like a week and a half and I hardly developed a cough. Um, but yeah, guys, I, this week I wanted to, I want to talk about sort of identity, very impromptuous because I haven't necessarily prepared as today, I, I, you know, I worked until five and then I exercised a little and then dinner and then here we are um just creating a bit of space to talk um and so I think identity is one of those things that are so massive they're so big to talk about but also it's so important in our sort of development as human beings in our development um 
you know, in our relationship with ourselves and in our relationship with other people, in our relationship with the world at large, you know, the environment um, and all that. And so I do think identity is so big. It can seem, it can feel so big a topic, but I think it's so impactful, it's so important. Um, And I personally struggled with my identity for years, I think when, especially when I was a teenager, when I had just moved from Tanzania as a 12 year old, and I was in England for six months, and then we moved to America, Kentucky, um, from 13 until I was 18. I was based, my family and I were in Kentucky. So most of my formative years were you know, in the US, in Kentucky, and then I moved to Indiana for university before I came back to London. Um, So most of my identity struggles and grapplings were during my transition from Tanzania to the US to the UK. But I really grappled with it, especially when I was in the US. And so in Tanzania, I never really thought about identity because I was young and foolish, I'm kidding, I was just young and ignorant, Um, and as they say, ignorant is bliss, so I never really thought about my identity, because, yeah, I was just, I was just a child, you know, you just existed, you ate, you went to school, you made friends, you sort of got back home, and you, you know, you did it again, the most important thing for me, I think, at that time was food, and food, (laughs) and maybe friendships Um, and so but it wasn't until I moved to the UK and I started learning English when I was 13 years old Um, because in Tanzania I had gone to an international boarding school um, and it was supposed to be an international English speaking school but you know I think English was like a foreign language you know in the US I took French as a foreign language and I think even though my boarding school was supposed to be an English international boarding school. We just spoke Swahili and then we spoke French was more prevalent than English. And so I hardly learned a lot of English at all. Um, but my mum and dad spoke English and Swahili. Um, so when I was at home, I was exposed to a little bit of English. Um, and especially, you know, in, our, in television watching, I loved musicals. So I remember when I was starting to learn English, for real, for real, when I was like 10, 11, I would watch um, Mary Poppins, The Sound of Music, Chitty 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 Bang Bang, and I would sing, and I would, you know, mix the words, because I didn't really know the words properly, but I would make up my own words um, to The Sound of Music or Mary Poppins songs, and I absolutely loved musicals at that age because they just sort of fascinated me. But also, I think singing can help with language learning. So it wasn't until I moved to America, I think, that I started sort of grappling with questions of identity. And it was only because I think when I arrived in America, it was the first time in my life where I was black. You know, I know I'm black. But in America was the first time where I was confronted with this reality that I am black. And I remember going to school 
and middle school and high school um, and my teachers, when they're talking about slavery, they would look at me and they would be like, oh, African-Americans were enslaved. They would look at me apologetically and I just wanted to say, yes, I'm black, but I am African-British. I'm not necessarily, you know, not that there's anything wrong, but I think for the first time in, in my life, America was, was when I felt black, where my identity, people saw me as black. People expected me to be black, you know, to act black, whatever that means, because I think sometimes people have this monolithic sort of understanding of what it means to be black, um, because the representation of black women and black people on television can sometimes be very sort of lineal, where you have the the angry black woman or you have the, you know, just the supporting sort of role or... And so, you know, I, I, you know, sort of going into this culture where I was seen as black only and I was expected to be black, you know, there was a specific way that I was expected to act and to talk or to speak or, to, you know, in being, I sort of, for the first time in my life, I was confronted with this reality that, wow, I am black. In Tanzania, I didn't think about it because everybody around me, the majority of the people around me, looked like me. They spoke like me. We all had our own individual desires and hopes and lives and families and experiences and backgrounds. But we, you, you, I was never, I never had to sort of live as a black person. I was just, I was just Jasmine, you know. And so America was the first time where I felt black or where I was, you know, people saw me as a black person. And that was, you know, that's the first thing they see about you. And then some people make assumptions about you. And then it goes from there. And so I remember starting middle school. And at that time, I had an, a British accent. Um... And people absolutely loved it. I remember my classmates used to look at me and say, say Harry Potter, say, you know, jam, say water. And I would say it and they would love it. And they were like, oh, you are our best friends. And I absolutely hated it because I thought to myself, oh, I, you know, how do I know that they're my actual friends and that they don't just want me to be friends with me because of my accent? And so I worked so hard to lose my British accent. And I did actually um, sort of accomplish that. Um, it's only that recently since I've moved back to London that I've sort of allowed myself to go back to my British accent. Um, but yeah, and so I remember even in middle school and high school, I had guy friends and they would look at me and say, oh, no offence, but I will never date a black woman. And I, you know, I think in our society, we have this thing of saying no offence first. And then we say something absolutely offensive. And we think that saying no offence before saying an offensive thing somehow eradicates the offensiveness of whatever that, whatever is said. But it really doesn't. But as a 14, 15 year old hearing this, hearing, you know, classmates or, you know, guys who I maybe ate lunch with in a group with my other friends, my other girlfriends, say to me, no offence, you're really cool, but I could never date 
a black girl was quite, I, w- I was taken aback, I think. Um, and it doesn't help that during that age, you're sort of trying to find yourself. You don't necessarily know who you are. I didn't know who I was at all. And that was my first experience of sort of going, oh, so in America for the first time, I am seen as black and I'm told that black is apparently undesirable. And so I I think having that sort of experience um, cemented in my mind for years onwards, I thought that black being black was undesirable, especially as a woman. I thought we were, it was not as attractive, it was not as desirable. And also it didn't help that, you know, around me, I didn't see a lot of media representation of beautiful, sort of confident, sort of black women who were allowed to be more than one thing on the screen. They weren't just the, the, you know, the supporting role. They weren't just the, the help. They weren't just the loud sort of, you know, there were, it was a very sort of sometimes it seemed to be a very linear representation of what it meant to be a black woman on media, on the screen. And so I went through that time of my life really sort of struggling and really sort of grappling with these sort of insecurities stemming from, oh, I am evidently, you know, I'm hearing from around me in society that, you know, being black is this one thing, but I don't fit into that one thing. But also, on the other side, even guys who claim to be my friends are telling me, no offence, but I could never date a black girl. And I was just like, oh, so what does that mean? And I absolutely struggled. And I remember one day... I came to uh, my high school with my natural hair in a ponytail and I remember my classmate sort of touching my hair and going, oh my gosh, it looks like a small rabbit's tail. And that moment was so cemented in my mind just because I think I was struggling in my own sort of identity. That moment was more massive than it should have been. Like now if someone said that to me, I would look at them and go, you crazy like who do you think you are and why are you giving me your unsolicited opinion about my hair and you know why do you think this is okay I would sort of challenge it and it wouldn't really bother me in the same way I wouldn't take it as personally but that experience sort of hit me so hard that I stopped wearing my natural hair for the longest time all I had was braids um and that's it but so I I remember going through the age of 14 to about 18, 17, really, really struggling with my identity. I remember wanting people's approval, especially guys' approval, because hearing people who were, who I thought were my friends even say that they could never date a black woman or a black girl really sort of had an impact because I was like, oh, okay what does that mean for me? And so I sort of had this diary that I I liked journaling and I don't have the diary anymore, but I remember once, you know, I started sort of healing and I started understanding who I am and whose I am and, you know, sort of changing that perspective. Um, 
I remember opening that diary and I had written such terrible things about myself because, you know, this circulating narrative. Um, and I know that now I know that the body keeps the score, that, you know, the narrative we tell ourselves is what we begin to believe, it's the habits that we form. And, you know, I'm very aware of what, what I sort of speak over myself, very aware of what I believe of myself because that can turn into actions. So now I'm very, very much aware, very much like, very careful about the way in which I speak to myself and off myself. But at that time, I didn't have the knowledge, I didn't have the sort of articulation to really sort of say, oh, I'm feeling this way. Um, But so I remember, um, yeah, just like, really wanting people's approval but especially men's approval really wanted to be beautiful in the eyes of men really wanted to be wanting to be desirable really wanting to be chosen really wanting to be worthy um i remember any anywhere that i went if it was a christmas sort of market um wilmore used to have those in kentucky christmas lights and the whole town would walk around downtown and there would be different sort of warm drinks and shops that opened up and I would literally walk around looking at a lot of the guys and just wanting someone to look at me because I was so desperate to be liked, to be desirable, to be beautiful to someone's or in someone's eyes and I really, 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 really struggled because I just... I don't know, yeah, I just didn't know who I was and I was trying to find it in other people. I was trying to find it in a relationship, in, you know, men, in all these different things, but, you know, I didn't have any of that. I didn't even have my first relationship until, officially relationship until this past year um, when I met R. But, so... Yeah, I struggled so, so much with my identity. I felt worthless. I felt unworthy. I felt, you know, not beautiful or desirable. Um, And I carried that narrative for for years, from the age of 14 to the age of 17, 18, around that time. And then I finally sort of started to really sort of you know, heal. Um, And I remember even going to university really helped because for the first time I had a group of um, African friends, friends who, who got me. And I remember even for the first time learning about my hair, for the first time being surrounded with people who were so full of joy with, you know, black women who loved themselves and who were confident who were you know just forward in their speech and articulated and very brave and just beautiful and I was like whoa and I had friends who were like that and I remember for the first time it sort of I was like ah it's a university obviously even before university I had mentors I had different things that really sort of helped me in my 
sort of faith um, in my identity journey and my faith was very very important to that because I remember just sort of um, realizing for the first time that you know letting it sink in that God created me and made me beautifully I didn't just sort of have have it in my head but it for the first time it sank into my heart that I am not just you know going around life aimlessly but that I am created beautifully and wonderfully and that sort of you know knowing that it's changed my perspective it changed the way in which I looked at myself it changed my relationship to myself because for the first time I wasn't speaking negativity over myself I wasn't sitting there going oh I am ugly oh I am undesirable but I was like oh how and so I think that started a journey for me a journey that has continued to this very very day because I think at university I even I continued to grow because I met like-minded people I met women who were you know who are from Nigeria from Kenya from just different parts of Africa and I met people who challenged my assumptions who were compassionate towards me who were kind and I learned to be kind to myself I think even this year as I moved to London I've learned even more about myself even you know learned to be kind to myself even more and that's why I'm so passionate about self-kindness and self-compassion because I really do believe that you know uh, the body does keep the score that every word that we speak to ourselves and about ourselves matters because our body is listening you know as we speak it over ourselves because that's what I did for years for years I spoke over myself that I'm worthless that I am unattractive that I am undesirable and I believed that I went around existing in this set of beliefs that I am nobody and I was looking outwardly for approval for people to think that I was desirable I was looking outwardly and I was so lost and so miserable and sad and I didn't really find what I was looking for outside at all and so I think that's why I'm so passionate about self-kindness and self-compassion and just sort of you know increasing that or you know speaking about it so that we so that I myself become aware of tendencies in my life in my thought patterns where I am being unkind towards myself where I'm speaking unhelpful truths or unhelpful lies let's say and where I need to replace those with truths even when it feels uncomfortable to say over and over and over, I am worthy, I am enough, I love myself fully and unconditionally, to say it over and over and over and over again until my thought patterns start to change into that, into going, yes, I'm, I'm worthy is the first thing, rather than 
I'm unworthy. But yeah, and so I think my journey of identity, even now it continues because I really, for me, identity evolves and grows and changes, but I think there have, has to be a foundation from which we can grow and change as we get older, as we sort of, you know, go through different experiences of life, different experiences, whether it's grief, whether it's loss, they change us. Or they change our perception of life, of what's important. But I think identity is very, very important. Understanding who we are, understanding that we're enough that yes we are social beings that we cannot exist without other people but that we are enough that we are beautiful without hearing it from you know a man or from a woman telling us that we're worthy because I think for me I think looking back, if I had ever got into a relationship when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, even 18, I think, I sometimes wonder what my life would be like right now, because I was so desperate for approval, I was so desperate for male approval, I was so lost, that I think I would have put all of my self-worth, all of my you know, identity into that person, expecting them to sustain me, expecting them to to be that very air that I breathe. And I think that that's what would have happened because I didn't have that on myself at all. I wanted it to be from another person. But I didn't get into a relationship, really, because I think that the place I lived in was very sort of um, not as diverse, <laughs> and I mean, if even some of my guy friends looked at me and said, "Oh, no offense, but we would never, I could never date a black girl," you know, imagine what the rest thought. And I'm sure there were there were some who were not like that, of course. But that was my experience, and then at university, it was very much sort of. I was very much like a nerd. And I liked that. <laughs> and and yes, I went on coffee, coffee things with the opposite sex. Okay, let me stop talking as if I'm, <laughs> I'm in that olden, olden age. But I did go on a couple of coffees. I, I had crushes. I had infatuations at university. But I never really, you know, got into a relationship um, because it just never sort of came about. But I think the best thing that university gave me was a community filled with other black women who challenged me, who inspired me, who showed me that being black is beautiful, is desirable who just were there, who were my community. And then moving to London, 
I really struggled again with sort of being uprooted from, you know, everyone that I knew, my friends and my family, but I really, really wanted to come back and I needed to come back. And then I've grown even more. I think, like I was saying last week, it's like healing, or even identity healing, it's like a peeled onion. We're constantly being peeled back like an onion, layer by layer by layer by layer. And so even though at the mo- I'm not in that place that I was when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, now I know whose I am and I know who I am. And I can tell you that I'm very sort of confident. And I know that I believe that I am desirable. I know that I am, you know, attractive. Not because I'm being, you know, like, um, what do you call it, self-centered. You know, not because I'm being a narcissist. But because, you know, in, in the journey to liking myself... I remember I would look at myself in the mirror every day and no matter what I felt about myself, I would say, look at that. (laughs) You know, like, I would say, I am beautiful. And it took a while, but pretty soon, not pretty soon, with a lot of saying, looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I'm beautiful, I began to believe that I was actually beautiful. And it came to a point where not, I was no longer sort of scared or repulsed or criticising my own image in the mirror because I looked at myself and I was like, I am beautiful. And the same thing with my body. I struggled because I felt as if I had developed quite quickly more so than my some of my friends um, growing up. And I felt you know, like fat, I didn't really like my body that much, but now I'm like, I love my curves, I love muscles, I love, you know, I love me, I am beautiful, and I believe it, and it changes how I go out into the world, it changes how I am in a relationship now, because I don't need my partner to validate my existence I don't need him to validate my beauty I like hearing him say oh you're beautiful but I'm like I know it's very annoying sometimes but I don't do it in a narcissistic sort of like way but I do it from a standpoint where I'm like for years I struggled to see that I was beautiful for years I lived under the shadow of unworthiness and unattractiveness and you know sort of speaking negativity over myself And to finally be able to look at myself and say, yes, I am beautiful. For me, that is a celebration in itself. And I remind myself of that every day. And so I think for me, identity is really about the way in which you feel about yourself. First and foremost, how do I feel about myself? Is there something about yourself that the way you look, the way you you know, any body part that you do not like, do you, you know, our insecurities about ourselves, Mm, our feelings about worthiness and worthiness, attractiveness, are we constantly, am I constantly trying to sort of reach this beauty standard that has been set up by society and do I think I'm enough? For me, identity is about asking these questions 
constantly of myself and sort of being aware of how I'm feeling because it's important being aware of how I see other people as well in comparison but also in you know sometimes you can sit there going they're so lucky look at them they're so thin they have such spiderly legs they're so confident they seem so attractive everybody's and like that's great but also flip that around and you you know instead of looking at it as a bad thing and you're comparing yourself maybe switch and say oh they are and that's great but also look at something that you like about yourself that you're good at or just you know be great you know give gratitude for their life <laughs> as it were but so for me i think identity is so massive but what has really sort of made a difference in my own experience and in my own journey has just been you know understanding that i am worthy not needing validation from other people other people to validate my existence not being offended when when you know when people see me all they see is just black but i love you know i've come to a place in my life where i love being black i love being a black woman because there isn't one way to be a black woman i can be my own <laughs> sort of person i don't need to live to the societal stereotypes or understanding of what it means to be a black woman i get to sort of define what that looks like for me in this season in this life that i get to live and in this sort of short spam of time that i have on this earth i get to decide and define what being a black woman looks like and i don't have to live on anybody else's standards and it's also required me to understand my own sort of values what i believe what i what is negotiable and what isn't negotiable is it's you know i've i've needed to sort of understand my own history and just sort of say wow when i feel this way it's from my childhood it's from this and this and this and understanding it and also having compassion on myself in that understanding and being having to be patient because it it takes a while you know growth and healing are not overnight they take a while it's taken me like Mm, 7 plus 8 years of sort of knowing who I am and I'm still constantly finding out new things about myself. I'm still healing. It's a healing journey. I'm still sort of um relearning a lot of the things that I learned or I spoke over myself for years. I'm still having to sort of relearn that. and letting go of a lot of baggages and a lot of practices that have sort of kept me in this perpetual state of approval wanting approval wanting validation to a point where it was just doing more harm to myself than good and so for me identity is so important when we understand who we are 
I think we're able to live life more fully. We're able to sort of step into places of, of uncomfortability. We're having we're able to extend grace towards ourselves, kindness and compassion. We're able to live more authentically because we no longer necessarily care about what other people think about us as much. We don't care about what you know, living to please other people. We're not living for another person in a relationship. They're not our centre. That I mean, I think relationships are important, both romantic and family and friendships. But when we we're secure in our identity, we don't seek out validations in our relationships because we know that we're enough. We know that we know who we are. So relationships add add value rather than become who we are, totally who we are. Um, but also we're able to live as separate individuals in relationship. We can have togetherness, but also separate. And I think all of that comes from taking time to understand, to heal, to grow, to come face to face with our own sort of pasts and our own sort of, you know, self-narratives that do not serve us and to just understand them and to start switching the narrative so that we accept in every single second of the day we're able to say to speak that which is uncomfortable for us to speak whether that's your worthiness whether that's your beautiful whether that's I love my body whether that's I love myself totally and unconditionally whether that's I am enough I think it it really sort of helps um, and it really sort of changes the way in which you know knowing our identity changes how we approach life changes the spaces in which we inhabit but also how we take up space we're no longer sort of hunching our backs holding our heads down low in shame but we stand up and we say yes I am beautiful yes I, I am deserving of good, of good things yes I am imperfectly perfect I am broken but I am beautiful I have my own sort of past and you know pains but I'm also progressing I also know who I am or I know what I can and cannot bear in this life and so that's my sort of thing with identity it took me years and I'm still learning even now every single day about my identity I'm still learning I'm still healing I'm still relearning and de deconstructing a lot of things that I believed and I'm still growing I like to think of myself as like a mm, as a feminist but not like modern day sort of feminist I absolutely love bell hooks I love her work um on love I love her work about black people and self-esteem. I, I love her 
work and community you know she's just to me she's so incredible um and so I think part of that learning for me is sort of reading and consuming content that sort of blesses me content that you know like I love watching sort of finding tv shows like girlfriends on netflix about four sort of black women it's absolutely so fun it's so funny so funny I love reading from bell hooks odd Andrea Dawkins and just different people that Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie different people that just sort of reading their work makes me go <laughs> you know it's just so good to immerse myself in other you know black women that I admire personally um, and their works and to let that challenge me to take what I can and but also it doesn't mean that I'm just sort of absorbing it all without thought um but anyways guys I think I'm derailing from my conversation but all that to say is that I think the search and the work on our identity it does take time it is a journey it requires us to be patient with ourselves. requires us to be honest with ourselves. requires us to be kind and compassionate and I really do hope that you found this useful guys and thank you for listening and I'll see you next time bye that's a wrap on this week thank you so much guys for listening to this episode on Ongea Let's Get Talking podcast it would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review rate this episode and I will see you on the next one Thank you.